podcast. I'm Amy Miller, MLEX's Senior Privacy and Data Security Reporter in San Francisco, California. Facebook's privacy troubles keep piling up after the Cambridge Analytica scandal and Congress isn't happy. They're now pressing for answers following reports that Facebook offered mobile device manufacturers special access to private user information. Meanwhile, Facebook is still answering questions about Cambridge Analytica. Last week, the company provided some answers to Congress about what happened. More than 400 pages of information, in fact. Here to talk about what Facebook told Congress and what impact the responses may have is Mike Swift, MLEX's Chief Global Digital Risk Correspondent here in San Francisco. Hi, Mike. Hey, Amy. So, how forthcoming was Facebook in its answers to Congress? Well, Facebook had a lot of uh, questions to answer. There were literally hundreds of questions. Uh, you could even say thousands if you looked at all the, the sort of sub-questions. And, you know, they provided quite lengthy question uh, answers in a lot of cases. But uh, you, you did notice that they sidestepped a lot of questions. Um, for example, uh, Senator Chris Coons of Delaware asked them flatly, how much money do you spend on privacy and, and data security? They declined to answer. Um, Senator Ed Markey asked them, would you promise to not use uh, data that you collected about children uh, to target ads to them once they turned uh, age 13? Facebook didn't really answer that. Mm. Um, Senator Ted Cruz asked Facebook to promise that they would never use facial recognition technology to identify people that didn't belong to Facebook. They sidestepped that one as well. So they did provide some very detailed answers, some very interesting answers in many cases, but there were a lot of questions they sort of just declined to answer. Well, so of the information they did provide, what was the biggest surprise to you? Um, To me, uh, it was really um, the abilities that they have to track people that may not belong to Facebook, Mm -hmm. that aren't logged into Facebook, anywhere out on the internet. And uh, they talked about uh, a system they have called Facebook Pixel, which is now deployed on 2.2 million websites. And this is um, uh, a system where if you're a small retailer, say you, you sell shoes on your, from your website, you can embed uh, this Facebook software into your website. And it's not visible to anybody using your website. But if somebody then goes and you know, buys a pair of shoes on your website, that data gets uh, reported back to Facebook. And the theory being that this sort of allows that you to them to, to sort of close the circle between seeing an ad somewhere that Facebook serves and then, then that later becomes a conversion, you know, where somebody buys something. So, you know, I guess I'd always thought of Facebook as being, you know, it, it has the ability to, um, to have a, collect a lot of information about you based on what you tell Facebook and what you do on Facebook and then use that for other advertisers to target ads. But... What I didn't realize was the degree and what they talked about in their answers was the degree to which they can pull information in from other websites that mm-hmm. apparently have nothing or visibly have nothing to do with Facebook and then use that to sort of enrich the information they have about people. Now, is this their own users or people that aren't even logged onto Facebook that don't have accounts? I mean, what information are they collecting? So um, there, was, there was a report in a, at the tech website Gizmodo saying that uh, Facebook had these quote-unquote shadow profiles of mm-hmm. people. And uh, Facebook was asked about that, and they, declined, they denied that they have quote-unquote shadow profiles, but they do have this ability to 
uh, collect information about people sort of through Facebook Pixel, anybody who's using a website, you know. Mm, that, really? Yeah, that has nothing to do with Facebook. So maybe they don't have quote-unquote shadow profiles, but they do apparently have some ability to collect information about people that but, are not necessarily Facebook users. But they may not necessarily have a profile per se on Jane Smith, non-Facebook user, but they are collecting the information. Uh, it's, uh, that's the way I read these answers, yeah. How interesting. Yeah. So who asked the best questions in, in Congress, and, and why did you think those were particularly I good. was really um, impressed by uh, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto from Nevada, uh, who is the former Attorney General of Nevada. Ah. I'm, I'm not sure she asked the most questions. I actually was looking at it today, and I think Ted Cruz asked. He asked. He had 100 questions <laughs> with um, many subcategories of questions. But uh, Cortez Masto asked 35 pages of, of questions and answers. And they were really interesting. She asked, for example, Facebook to talk about some patents that they have for uh, cameras that uh, would track a person's movements and also their eye movements and uh, possibly for identification. So mm. say if you're using the Oculus uh, virtual reality headset, mm -hmm. you could just put it on your head and it would recognize by your eye movements or your retinal scan, I'm not sure, mm. who you were. But um, there's one patent which would allow them, their cameras through a device to sort of get a sense of what your emotional state is by your movements and to use that to um, basically target advertising. So that's kind of um, getting to a level of, uh, of uh, intimacy that I think most people would find a little uncomfortable. That was really interesting. And uh, she asked a bunch of other questions about like if, uh, Facebook went into China, what sort of privacy compromises they would make. Um, just uh, some very thoughtful questions, I thought. So it sounds like Facebook was willing to offer up more information about how the service works, but it's not really willing to talk about where it spends its money, how it budgets things, where it spends money on yeah, privacy. Yeah, I mean, um, they were very tight-lipped about that. Um, you know, they were. I, I think that they were do, trying to hit a strategic balance where you were telling the Senate enough uh, information to make them go away, but not disclosing too many of your business secrets. That, that's what it appeared like to me anyway. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, I was surprised that they didn't give a number for the amount of money they spend on privacy and data security because they've talked about that um, they're doubling the number of people they're bringing on board to like 20,000 by the end of this year uh, to do security stuff. So you would think, well, they're spending a lot of money. That must add up to a, a significant number. But um, they, they declined to disclose that to Senator Coons. Well, what did, the, what did Facebook say about the FTC? So, you know, the, the $64 million question here is, did Facebook violate this consent decree, uh, which dates to 2011 or 2012, depending on how you figure it? Facebook uh, settled because it had changed, uh, allegedly, some of its, its privacy practices, and, and the FTC said that deceived users, so they put Facebook under this 20-year consent decree. If Facebook violates that now, they will face a significant financial penalty. They said flat out, we did not violate that through Cambridge Analytica. So we'll see if the FTC agrees with that. Well, um, do privacy experts agree with uh, Facebook? Well, interestingly, today, as you wrote about, um, there was a hearing before the Senate, a subcommittee of the Senate Commerce Committee, and a former chief technologist of the FTC, Ashkan Soltani, said, in his view, Facebook absolutely did violate the consent decree and are likely to face a very big penalty. 
So um, uh, I guess it remains to be seen. I guess we can't, we won't know until uh, until the FTC at some point re- renders its judgment. But uh, clearly, there is a school of thought by some very informed people like Sultani that Facebook did violate this consent order. Mm. Well, he also raised the question of, you know, how big of a fine is enough to really incentivize Facebook to change its practices? Right. The implication being that the FTC might not be able to right. levy a fine big enough. Right. Well, Facebook in 2017 had $40 billion in advertising revenue. So in this year, it'll probably be north of $50 billion. So, you know, what sort of penalty would you need to get Facebook's attention? I don't know. Facebook says that their attention has already been gotten because mm. of all this. Uh, that they're making very significant changes. You know, Mark Zuckerberg has, you know, appeared before the European Parliament as well as the U.S. Congress to make that case. Um, they said they've learned their lesson, but we'll we'll see what the FTC says about that. Well, certainly, we're certainly seeing a few uh, commercials uh, these days. <laughs> we are seeing commercials, <laughs> yes. Talking about their contribution to society. Yeah. So, will will these answers to Congress help Facebook avoid regulation? Do you think that they will be able to get out from under that? You know, I if it was me, I think we can't we can't know for sure. Um, one senator, um, Senator Ed Markey, said he was very disappointed in Facebook's answers that they wouldn't promise to never you know take data that they collected about kids and use that to target ads when they get older. But you know, he's one of the leading, uh, most militant peop- voices in Congress on privacy. So you wouldn't expect him to be satisfied. You know. For more moderate people or maybe people that aren't as deeply invested in privacy, would, would they be satisfied? I don't know. You know, I, I think that uh, a lot of conservatives who feel like uh, Silicon Valley has a liberal bias, I don't think they're going to be satisfied with what they heard from Facebook. And I think some of the privacy hawks like Markey are not satisfied. Richard Blumenthal, not satisfied. You know, it remains to be seen, but I, I think all of this is going to certainly Uh, it's going to give Congress more fuel to pass some sort of regulation, probably not until next year, though, after the elections. That's Mike Swift, MLEX's chief global digital risk correspondent based here in San Francisco. Thank you so much, Mike. That was my pleasure. Thank you. Make sure to come back often for future MLEX podcasts from Europe, Asia, and the Americas on regulatory and litigation issues around antitrust, trade, privacy, and data security and corruption. You can access our podcast from our website or subscribe through the SoundCloud app for iPhone or Android devices. I'm Amy Miller, MLEX Senior Reporter for Privacy and Data Security. Bye for now from San Francisco. Mm-hmm.